0: Blaze Radio Network. On demand. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. you You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Slater News said, America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. So, uh, just a quick programming note. Even though, you probably, I probably shouldn't even admit this at all, but I'm on the top of a mountain right now. So uh, I, I hope the sound quality remains, uh, remains strong. So um, I did this a couple of years ago. If you've been a long-time listener, you probably remember. Uh, I've done twice, actually. Uh, the show from the top of Palomar Mountain. My church, we're at a, a men's retreat up here. So snuck away for a couple hours so we could all be together. So uh, amen for technology. And this is crazy. That <laughs> It's crazy like there's any cell phone reception slash internet at all up here, let alone I can do a radio show from here and broadcast to your house or car or cell phone or wherever you're listening now. Um, so let's get to it. I, I, we got obviously a lot of news, but that's, before we get to the specifics of the news, I want to talk about news. I read a New York Times article the other day, trying not to drown. In a flood of major breaking news, do you feel like you're drowning in a flood of major breaking news? It's it's we're just inundated. It's a tidal wave, and it is exhausting. I have people come to me sometimes, and they are just like bugged out. With like I said, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you look terrible. I know I've been watching nonstop news for three and a half weeks. I can't take it anymore. It's like, yes, you need to stop you need to stop doing that. So I want to chat for just a second about the, the Western and, and specifically the American obsession with news and what this word means to us. And I think once we realize this and we realize that it's, it's kind of unique the way we look at news, then maybe we can start looking at it a little differently. So two quick points. Uh, America and Americans are obsessed with faster. I'm not just with everything. Always happen, right? Horse and buggy, not fast enough. We've got to invent the train. That's not fast enough, right? Uh, we've we got the plane. And then who can get from point A to point B faster? And then we've got the hyperloop coming. And it's just we're faster all the time. Faster with the telegraph and then the phone and then FaceTime. We always, always want faster. And then when we get it, we're satisfied with it for about a minute. <laughs> right? And then it's on to the next thing. It's never good enough. Have you ever rebooted your phone, and and you turn your phone off and turn it back on, and then you you wait for it to turn back on, and you're like, oh, come on, more computing power in the palm of your hand than the mission to the moon, and 1.7 seconds into the reboot, and you're like, come oh, on, piece of junk, hurry, hurry, up. could you, what are you talking? Like we have this insatiable need for speed in america that's point number one and that's just in general not even related to news although yes but just everything the second thing news in the west is a sensation 1901 there was a french sociologist he said i open a newspaper that i think is today's this is 100 years ago i open a newspaper that i think is today's newspaper and i greedily read some news he's like takes it and like, oh, I'm going to read all this stories. I'm going to read as much as I can. I greedily read some news. Then I notice it's a month or a day old and it immediately ceases to interest me. So he was the first person to write about the sensation of news. Now, if we compare this to other cultures, because you're thinking, yes, later, like how else? Of course, like I want the news fast and I want it. I want it all the time. Like what, what else is there? In Arabic, so in the Arabic world, the Middle Eastern world, the word for news is best translated as information. And in Japan, so the Eastern world, the word for news is best translated as history. So the Arabic word, information, it doesn't have a a sensation to it, right? It's just information information. It's not news. I got a boom, 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 Like is that, is that a whole, it's not a th- whole thing like it is in America. It's just information. It doesn't have a sensation to it. And then the Japanese words of the Eastern culture, it's history. But that doesn't have newness to it, right? Like in America, it's, it's fast and new. In Eastern culture, it's, it's just, it's history. It's a history. Right, But the history could be a second old, it could be a year old, it could be a month old, but it doesn't matter. It's still they're kind of it's almost kind of like more the Arabic thing. It's just information and this is just history. But in America, it's fast and a sensation. News literally means new things, and we need it constantly because otherwise it's not new anymore. like that French guy was saying a hundred years ago. Now, this is fine. I mean, it's, I'm just my point is it's different from around the world because we grow up like this, so we don't think that it's different around the world, but it is. And it's okay, but the trade-off is it's probably n- almost never right, <laughs> right? Remember the whole outrage about Jim Comey and uh, uh, you know his memos was from this New York Times sentence quote: "The New York Times has not viewed a copy of the memo, but one of Mr. Comey's associates read parts of it to the Times reporter." <laughs> and then that turns into and i saw one report trump implores comey to drop the investigation about flynn implores means to desperately beg so do you see how the game of telephone works like like trump talked to comey comey wrote a memo someone's reading the memo to a times reporter the times reporter's writing about it someone's reading this report in the newspaper and then puts their own bias on it then they they read that in another news report that says Trump implored desperately begged Comey <laughs> it's like wow well, that's but like why do we do it that way because we need it now and it has to be a thing it has to be a sensation and then that all turned into all this talk about impeachment which when this happened on like a Tuesday I said Tuesday afternoon on my after, on my local show I said oh this won't be a thing tomorrow just, they just, the TV news just needs something to talk about and they're just filling time with impeachment. Impeachment's not, it's not a thing anymore. But we gotta get the scoop, right? Gotta get the scoop. We gotta report on a memo, even if it's a reporter who's writing about it who hasn't seen it. So I, I just think when I read about this, it, it, it changed how I view news because maybe now that I know this is how it works, I don't have to view it as such a sensation all the time. And I don't have to view it. I don't have to feel like I need it like right now all the time. So this is the New York times article uh, from just the other day. What a year. The last few days have been, huh? This is news in the era of president Trump. It slaps you awake, follows you around all day, intrudes on your conversations, interrupts your dinner, whispers as you try to sleep. It's been coming at a relentless pace from a 100 directions at once, breaking news alerts on your phone, memes shared on Facebook, angry tweets from your friends, and goes on. So this, this is my first point about this New York Times article. This, if this is your life, like if you, if you were like, yep, the news slaps me awake, follows me all day, interrupts my dinner, intrudes in my conversation, if that's you, I mean, do whatever you want, but if you don't like that, just know that it's self-imposed. CNN's not doing that to you. You're doing it to yourself. You don't have to live your life like this. Someone put on Twitter, they said, 2017, living in fear of the moment when the New York Times alert pops up on my phone multiple times a day. You don't have to download the New York Times app. And even if you have it, you don't have to sign up for the alerts. Opt out of the alerts. I don't have CNN alerts on my phone because I don't have a smartphone. So done, problem solved. No more, no more alerts. Someone wrote, and they quoted this in the article, I feel like I'm being forced to watch, to to binge watch five seasons of a Netflix series in a week. So just just don't. Just don't. You don't have to. There's a New Yorker cartoon, and it has two people walking down the street, and the caption says, My desire to be well-informed is currently at odds with my desire to remain sane. <laughs> There's a balance there that you can achieve. Uh, and part of a well-balanced, inf- well-informed diet is the Blaze Radio. But try to limit other sources to whatever, to whatever you think is healthy. And if you cross that line then uh, just know you don't have to. You don't have to be there because it's probably not for the best. There is a balance. Like this person walking down the street saying, yeah, I got to find this balance. You can find that balance because the wounds that you feel from being inundated, they're self-imposed. So just don't do it anymore. I read a uh, letter from Thomas Jefferson the other day and it was it was to his grandson, just advice for life. And he was wishing him luck when he goes out into the wide world. And he said, Life will, or society will, will force you to enter, in his words, the boisterous ocean of political passion. All right, the boisterous ocean, boisterous ocean of political passion. But Thomas Jefferson said, you know, I was there, but all I really want to do, all I wanted to do, was return to my harbor, yeah, I get in my ship. I go out into the ocean and, and get tossed around with the political passions of the day. But the whole time, I just really wanted to go back home. He <laughs> says, I wanted to go back to my harbor, take my ship back to the dock of, quote, my family, my books, and my farms. So that really is the most important part of your diet family, books, and farms. I want to start off with that before we get to the news of the day. <laughs> 188 933 93 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater show the Blaze Radio Network's brother word.
0: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. This is Mike Slater.
1: It's Slater. Like, it's nice thanks for being here. So let's talk impeachment here for a second. Uh, Camille Paglia, she a uh, super feminist, voted for Jill Stein, <laughs> hates Trump, hates, hates, hates. She said, Democrats are doing this in collusion with the media, obviously, because they want to create chaos. They want to completely obliterate any sense that the Trump administration is making any progress on anything. So this is all, all this impeachment talk is just to no, let me put it like this. No Democrat is really wants to impeach Trump or is has any intention of actually impeaching Trump. It's just to make sure that that's all people talk about and to just throw that out in the atmosphere. So people can marinate in that for the next three and a half years of, uh, he should be impeached or he could be impeached. Let, Let me take a step back here. So, I want to tell a story. There was, in the 30s, 1930s, there was a reporter for the New York Times, and he was stationed in Moscow. He was the official Moscow correspondent, the the Soviet Union correspondent. His name is Walter Durante, and he won a Pulitzer Prize for all of his reporting in the Soviet Union. 70 years later, I think in 2003, the Pulitzer Committee revoked his award. I don't, think that's ever, I don't think that's ever been done before. They gave him a Pulitzer Prize and then took it away. Why? Because he lied. Constantly. Here, just a little bit of his reporting about the Soviet Union. He said, there is no famine or starvation, nor is there likely to be. He said any report and this is a couple of years later, any report of a famine in Russia is today an exaggeration or malignant propaganda. This is stuff that was printed in the New York Times. Meanwhile, in Ukraine, twenty five thousand people were starving to death a day. Twenty five thousand a day on purpose from Stalin. On purpose. He purpose this wasn't just bad economic planning that resulted in people not having enough food and dying. This was Stalin saying we are purposely going to starve out the people of Ukraine. And at one point, all the Moscow journalists from all the American papers or or Western papers got together and they were talking about how to report about the famine and starvation back home while getting around the censors in Moscow, right? So if you write a report and you send it back to New York, it's got to go through the the government first, the Soviet government, they sign off on. So the reporter for the New York Herald, uh, New York Herald Tribune, asked Durante what he was going to write. And Durante said, quote, nothing. What are a few million dead Russians in a situation like this? Quite unimportant. This is just an incident in the sweeping historical changes here. I think the entire matter is exaggerated. <laughs> think of the, the, the perversion that an ideology like this, an ideology, an ideology of death that communism is. Think of the perversion that that does to your brain where you would ever say the sentence, what are a few million dead in a situation like this? And you're thinking, well, what do you mean ideological? He said, well, we're looking at sweeping historical changes, right? The, the road to communism. This is a sweeping historical change. That's, this is a, a terrible ends justify the means, which is never true. The ends do not justify the means. But to this guy, the end is communism. So the means getting there, listen, if a couple million Russians have to die in the process, it's not, it, not that big of a deal. That was this guy's perspective. This was the reporter from the New York Times who won a Pulitzer Prize for all this. Total hack. Let me make one more quote here, and then I'll bring it to today. This is Malcolm Muggeridge. He was a British writer who was, I guess, conservative <laughs> or against the communists. Um, he he said, he, said uh, he listed a bunch of famous people. And then he said, down to the poor little teachers, crazed clergymen and millionaires, driveling dons and very special correspondents like Durante, all resolved, come what might, to believe anything, however preposterous, to overlook everything, however villainous, to approve anything, however brutally authoritarian, in order to be able to preserve intact the confident expectation that one of the most ruthless and bloody tyrannies ever to exist on earth could be relied on to champion human freedom, the brotherhood of man and all the other good liberal causes to which they had dedicated their lives. So look, look at what people will overlook no matter how brutal, right? Look at what they're willing to approve no matter how villainous just because you know, we're going to fight the good fight communism and it'll be grand. Amazing. So what does this have to do with it? Who is calling for impeachment? Who was calling for impeachment? Okay. Maxine Waters. All right. Anyone else? Yeah. News anchors. A bunch of news anchors. The same news anchors who called for Trump's impeachment before he even won. I'll give you an example of this. Andrew Sullivan. He's in New York Magazine. He wrote just the other day, he said, an attempt to obstruct justice is an impeachable offense. And says Trump has just openly admitted to such a thing. So who's Andrew Sullivan? Before Trump won, Andrew Sullivan said that the possibility of Trump winning is a, quote, extinction level threat. So you're going to listen to his argument about why Trump should be impeached? You should listen, anyone, everyone should listen to Andrew Sullivan's analysis on impeachment like you should read the New York Times, Moscow's correspondent on famine in the Ukraine back in the 30s. Are you with me? The same level of credibility, same level. Anyone calling for impeachment, it's based on nothing based on headlines. It's based on a memo that someone read over the phone to someone else. The only people really calling for impeachment are the people who have been calling for impeachment since November 7th or 4th or whenever the election was. And remember, number one priority of TV news. You remember? Number one priority? Of course you do. Fill time. And that's all this was. There weren't even really that many congressmen, Even just a couple crazies on the the super far left, that's it. It was mostly just anchor people and and, and producers, TV show producers. Why? Because the number one priority is to fill time. And here's a story, and we don't know what else to say about it because it's a little complicated and we don't quite understand it. So we're just going to take the lowest common denominator and talk about impeachment and scream it from the rooftops and then say stupid things like, there are growing calls for impeachment when it goes from Maxine Waters and then another congressman. So now you have one to two, and now there's a growing call for impeachment in Capitol Hill. No, there's not. <laughs> there never was. 1 888 93. If you want, we could take a second and talk about obstruction of justice and what that really is. Um, but I think on this theme, let, let's wrap this up. I want to come back and we'll talk about anonymous sources and how you should view and read stories that have an anonymous sources in them. We'll do that next. Mike Slater's show in the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: This is Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Mike Slater.
1: We'll talk about Comey here for just a few more minutes because I want to get to a
0: crazy
1: education story that maybe takes the cake. I know that's saying a lot, but I want to share that coming up in the next hour. Uh, I don't want to get too, uh, too in the weeds here because you can pretty easily. But in the last couple of weeks, there have been a ton of news articles based on anonymous sources. And a vast majority of them turn out to be not true. So we got to be very quick, careful. Um, I could get into the weeds because I could quote a bunch of them, but let me just pick one here. This is Washington Post. Uh, this is about the Deputy Attorney General uh, Rod Rosenstein. Uh, Rosenstein threatens to re- threatened to resign after the narrative emerging from the White House on Tuesday evening cast him as the prime mover of the decision to fire Comey. Said the person close to the White House who spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitivity of the matter. Now you look at that and where's your mind go, right? Remember we are, we're always creating movies in our head. That's what we do. We try, we get a couple data points and then we try to make a picture out of it. So we're making up movies. So when you hear Rosenstein threatened to resign after this narrative and you're like, Oh, chaos, total, absolute chaos and backstabbing. and No one knows what's going on. Everyone hates everyone and it's totally out of control. And, only we only know about it because someone felt the need to speak out about it because it's getting so bad. And and Rosenstein hates Trump and Trump hates Rosenstein and they're gonna resign a fire, blah blah. And the next day Rosenstein comes out and says, I'm not quitting. What do you So who are we gonna listen to? The person close to the White House, which could mean anything, or he himself. And then look, it's been a week since that article and he hasn't quit. So, what, what like, when you, a, a source that's quoted as a person close to the White House says, that's really like something out of People Magazine or Us Weekly. You read an article about Taylor Swift and it's like, ooh, a person close to Taylor Swift is that. Like, what, who? What are you talking about? You're totally making that up. So, I could go on. There's a ton of examples about that. But uh, here's the, here's the story. I want to quote this. This is from On the Media. They made a while back a handy guide about how to listen to the media during an active shooter situation. All right, so you get breaking news, helicopter camera, you get a couple reporters on the ground at the airport or wherever at the school where there's an active shooter going on, active shooter situation. So you're watching the news and this tie back into what we kicked off the show with, news has to be fast, so it has to be as quick as possible. And there has to be a sensation. So active shooter situations, news outlets love them. I mean, they don't obviously like it, but, but you're like, oh, it's our time to shine. Right? So be careful. Here's a couple rules. In the immediate aftermath, news outlets will get it wrong. It's point number one. Two, don't trust anonymous sources. Three, don't trust stories that cite another news outlet as the source of the information. Four, there's almost never a second shooter. You hear about that a lot. Number five, pay attention to the language that the media uses. We're getting reports. Could mean anything. We are seeking confirmation. Means they don't yet have it. And we have learned. Means it has a scoop or is going out on the limb. (laughs) Uh, Let's do another one here. Compare multiple sources. Big news brings out the fakers and the photoshoppers. And beware reflexive retweeting. Okay, so those are just things to keep in mind during an active shooter situation. So Molly Hemingway took that and used it as a guide for how to read the Washington Post and the New York Times breaking news stories about Trump. So we'll go down the line. In the immediate aftermath, news outlets will get it wrong don't trust anonymous sources if democracy dies in darkness anonymity is not exactly transparent or accountable that is such a good point so you know the washington post their new super creepy headline is or uh by um tagline for the newspaper is democracy dies in darkness Jeez, right you know the new york times has been all the news that's fit to print right and and their slogan is democracy dies in darkness wow So the newspaper that says democracy dies in darkness is riddled with anonymous sources. That's not exactly shining the light. Unless someone is willing to put his or her name with a leak, be on guard. Now I'm not saying it's not true. Just be on guard. Um, Next uh, advice. If someone is leaking national security information, In order to support the claim of a national security violation, be on guard. If someone is claiming a serious national security crisis but not willing to go public with the claim and resign in protest of it, be on guard. Again, not saying it's not true, just be on guard. Compare sources willing to put their name and reputation on the line and pay attention to the language that the media uses. Is a story about something unimportant? Being written in such a way as to make it seem important. I think that's the whole Comey obstruction of Joshua's thing uh, in a nutshell right there. It's something that's unimportant. Being blown out of proportion to make it seem important because that's what news has to do, right? They got a, it has to be a sensation. So they have to make it seem important. So they just use crazy language to, to blow it up. Uh, let me do a few more. Beware confirmation bias. This one's so important. We talk about confirmation bias a lot, even if we don't use those words. Everyone, everyone has the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirming of one's existing beliefs or theories, right? So take all the people who hate Trump. When they hear one data point from an anonymous source that Trump did something maybe bad, confirmation bias in them takes that and says, told you so. I knew it. I knew he was, I knew he was breaking the law all all the whole time. (laughs) That's what it is, but that's any evidence, any new, anything confirms my belief that he's a horrible person. So that's how the news could get away with just a single data point of a story because people just take it and then apply it to what they already want and decided to believe. Pay attention to how uh, we don't need that. Let's do this one with this. Um, Pay attention to how quickly and fully editors and reporters correct stories based on false information from anonymous sources. If they don't correct it at all, it's an indication of a lack of respect. We had that conversation last week. I think we talked about it with Spicer. And the Washington Post wrote this whole story about how Sean Spicer was hiding in the bushes. And then they had to correct it with an editor's note that said, "Uh, well, okay, fine. So he wasn't hiding in the bushes. He was just, standing over there with a bunch of colleagues around the television among the bushes. And it's like, yeah, those are very different. Hiding in the bushes versus standing near some bushes working. What? So here's the bottom line. Let stories sit. Let it sit. Don't get swept up. Just wait a day. So whenever there's a big story now, and I know it's tough because we're so trained to need to know right now and breaking news and I got to know before everyone else. Don't, don't really, really, really fight that urge. Fight the urge. At least fight the urge to come to conclusions. Obviously, you can watch the news and see what's going on, but fight the urge to come to a conclusion because when something happens, it takes at least 24 hours before anyone with any idea of what's actually going on says anything. And then it really takes a week before things start to settle down and and start to make more sense. Um, Do we have that clip, uh, Elle, about, um, with Tom Brokaw? This is a, this is a, do we have that clip? This is a perfect example, if we have it, of um, waiting a week. So this is a week after Trump fired Comey. Now remember when Trump fired Comey, everyone flipped out. Everyone totally flipped out. And this is Brokaw on Rachel Maddow, uh, seven days later. I haven't run into anybody yet who thinks that Jim Comey was doing a good job as the White House, I mean, as the FBI director, beginning last summer. And then, as you'll remember, Hillary Clinton and others in the Democratic Party all but blamed him for her loss. Now they're defending him as a champion. Exactly. So there's a lot of confusion going on here, Andrea, and our obligation, I think, is to sort it out, truth and fact,
0: and deal with the truth.
1: Isn't that amazing? So, so the, so for the, the first day it was constitute. So he fires, Trump fires Comey the first day. It's constitutional crisis. Worse than Watergate has to be impeached. Unbelievable. Blah, blah, blah. A day after he fired him, you get some people being like, well, you know, here's what the Democrats said a couple months ago. He's, he's really not that good. And here's a bunch of reasons why he should have been fired, et cetera, et cetera. a week later you get Tom Brokaw saying, yeah, I actually don't know anyone who thinks he was doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so think of all the calories you wasted i wasted everyone wasted freaking out for a week before reality came back around with tom broco being like yeah you know no one really <laughs> it should have been fired a while ago Isn't that amazing and it's like that all the time fight the urge for news to be a sensation fight the urge to know right away it's almost always wrong especially with the media today and especially with how much they hate Trump. 1-888-933-93. Mike Slater showed the blaze radio networks for the word.
0: You're listening to Mike Slater on the blaze radio network.
1: Let's talk about obstruction of justice There's a definition here that you haven't heard anyone else say, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. If, if someone would come out right away, when all this obstruction of justice stuff was talked about right away, like I, I, I've told the story a million times. I was on Fox news. This is a couple of years ago and they don't tell you what you're most, most of the time, at least in my experience, every time in my experience, they say, Hey, can you come on this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon? They say, saying, okay, sure what are we going to talk about? I'm like, ah, oh, we don't know yet. So you wait until you get there. Sometimes a couple hours before, sometimes right before. So I go down to the studio and I'm just like, okay, what are we talking about? And they said, well, there was a, uh, accusations of sexual harassment in the department of Homeland security. This was many years ago. And I said, why do you want me to talk about that? There are accusations of sexual harassment in the department of Homeland security. Do you don't know anyone in the department of Homeland security? Like what? I don't know. (laughs) What do I know? They're like, oh, no, you'll do great. So yeah, I I, I filled time or whatever. I was like, come on guys. So that's what news is. (laughs) So you just think, why couldn't they find anyone who knew what obstruction of justice is right away when people were screaming obstruction of justice, obstruction of justice. It's crazy. So this is Elizabeth Price Foley. She's writing in the New York Times of all places. She says, if Trump said, hey, listen, you know, Flynn's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. If that's obstruction of justice, then she says virtually every communication between criminal defense lawyers and investigators would be a crime. And there's two specific parts of the criminal code that deal with obstruction of justice. First is section 1510, title 18. Uh, I'll just quote from her. She says, it is a narrow statute criminalizing only willful acts quote by means of bribery that have the effect of obstructing the communication of information about crimes to federal investigators so we don't know what's in the rest of the memo because no one's seen it but from what we know there's no and what everyone's commenting on there's no bribery there's no proof or accusation that trump bribed the fbi director And as the Supreme Court case says, it's U.S. versus um, Sun Diamond Growers of California. For bribery, there must be a quid pro quo. There has to be a specific intent to give or receive something of value in exchange for an official act. Saying, hey, listen, he's a good guy. You want to, I mean, you should let him go. That's not bribery. Now you could say, well, hold on, Slater. The... Assumption here, the implication is that if Comey doesn't drop the case, then he will fire you Comey. <laughs> they'll fire him, yeah, but that's always possible. Comey's an at will employee who can be fired at any time for any reason he wouldn't need a reminder from the president that investigating someone close to the president might result in his firing that's that's known and it's not a threat that's reality, so that that doesn't count as bribery. So it doesn't pass that standard. It's not obstruction of justice because it doesn't pass that standard. So how about this one? This is Section 1505, Title 18. Anyone who corruptly endeavors to obstruct the proper administration of law, quote, this is key, under which any pending proceeding is being had before any department or agency of the United States is guilty of a felony. So this only applies to a pending proceeding. An FBI investigation is not a pending proceeding. It has never been in the 120 years since this has been law. This has never applied to an FBI investigation ever. Not once. It only applied. It has only applied to proceedings that are going on in a courtroom, not FBI investigations. It's never been done before. Could it be done? I guess probably the first time it wouldn't, wouldn't be against the president of the United States, but it's never been done before. So neither charge fits those standards or or, or obstruction of justice, whatever Trump did or what people are screaming that he's done doesn't fit those two standards of obstruction of justice. Everyone you've heard scream these last week obstruction of justice or impeachment, I guarantee you they don't know section 1505 or section 1510, title 18 of the criminal code. And if they did, they wouldn't be screaming such things. Isn't that crazy? So, listen, I'm not saying what Trump did is good or right, but it's not obstruction of justice. It's just not. So that's why you got to be careful when you watch the news and, and get wrapped up and riled up from these people. Just don't. All right, I want to come, ne- come back next with a story of our education system that is just so sad <laughs> to
0: next. my sliders Just spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network.